Hey everyone and welcome to the second Persistent and Nasty podcast. This is Louise here in the booth flying solo for this recording. It's been a minute or two since our last one, which was released back in April 2018. Things have reconfigured a little bit at Nasty HQ since our first podcast came out and our producing collective has a slightly different lineup. You'll hear from them in future episodes. Additionally, we've shaken up the podcast format a little. We will still be doing summaries from the discussions at our live script readings, but we are now also including interviews from fellow actors, playwrights and directors who are on board with the nasty rebit. And that begins now. During this year's Edinburgh Festival, I sat down with New York City playwright Jean-Anne Douglas to talk about her most recent play, The Providence of Neighbouring Bodies. The play was produced by Dutch Kills Theatre Company, also based in New York, and played throughout August at Underbelly. The Providence of Neighbouring Bodies is a black comedy about female friendship, social anxiety, and our relationship with the other. I got to talk to Jean-Anne about writing the play, the cast about performing in it, and I also chatted to Dutch Kill's artistic director, Ali Scott, about helping making it happen. If after hearing through the podcast how awesome the play is and you want to get your hands on a copy, don't worry, because it has been published by Oberon Books. You can also find out more about Dutch Kills at dutchkillstheatre.com. That's the American spelling of theatre. And when this podcast goes live, I'll be posting it with all the relevant social media links so that you can stock this excellent bunch of humans. Okay, that's enough of me blethering on. Here's the chat we had. I hope you enjoy. Officially on the record. We are recording the Persistent and Nasty podcast from the Abattoir at Underbelly at the 2018 Edinburgh Festival Fringe, which is very exciting and very posh. I have a wonderful set of guests who I'm going to ask to introduce themselves. So I'm Jean Ann Douglas, and I'm here at the Fringe um, with a play that I wrote called The Providence of Neighboring Bodies. My name's Ali Scott. I'm the artistic director of Dutch Kills Theatre. I developed this play with Jean Ann and brought it here to the Fringe. <laughs> My name is Lori Parquet, and I play Dora in The Providence of Neighboring Bodies. My name is Dinah Berkeley, and I play Jane, also known as the Beaver. <laughs> yeah, also known as the Beaver. I think we might need clarity and context on what that means <laughs> for anyone listening. So maybe uh, that's especially it. Especially for feminists. For especially for feminists. <laughs> so many things that could mean. <laughs> So I think that's one for you, Gina, as the playwright. Sure. So the play centers on uh, two women who are neighbors in my hometown of North Providence, Rhode Island, in America. They have balconies next door to each other, and they become friends for the first time after living next to each other for a long time at the beginning of the play. Halfway through the play, one of uh, the women, Ronnie, um, rents her couch out on Airbnb to a woman named Jane, and when Jane shows up, we find out that she is a beaver. Clearly, it takes a bit of a surrealist, absurdist turn at this point, um, but the way that the beaver functions in the play is that beavers, actual real beavers um, in the state of Rhode Island, existed there for a long time, and there was a policy of capturing and 
releasing them in, in nearby states so that they wouldn't be uh, nuisances. So they are a group of people that um, it is now illegal to remove them, so they're technically allowed back, but there um, are not a lot of beavers around. And so the way that the world interacts with Jane after she shows back up um, is reflective of that in both the fascination and adoration, um, but also holding her at a bit of an arm's length. So I saw the play and I think it's brilliant. I think you're oh, all thanks. great. At the point of recording, uh, this show is smashing it with the reviews right now, with four stars from The Guardian and four stars from Skinny. Um, and three weeks. And, th and three weeks. Four stars yeah. three weeks. Excellent. So people are coming in, they're getting it. Are you feeling that... Did you have any reservations when you arrived about what people might think? Uh, if they would understand it? How they would interpret it? I had a lot of reservations because I didn't know how American the play was till we got over here. I mean, I was thinking about it, but once... Once we arrived and once I'm saying the word taint into people's eyes <laughs> and no one laughs, that made me realize, oh, maybe they don't understand what's happening. <laughs> but I, what I found was that I think uh, by the end of the play, it becomes very universal in terms of the fascination and discrimination of the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, the reason that the play is surreal and absurd is because then I think it becomes a more universal story and it can be more reflective of individual people's experiences. So if I've done my job well, if we've all done our jobs well, um, there might be two people sitting next to each other in the audience who find it reflective of discrimination that they have seen in their own communities but with totally different groups in different parts of the world. And I think that one of the things that we found a bit is that Americans are really open to talking about discrimination, a lot more so than the UK. Um, I don't know if that's your experience as well, but I, I think in America it was a very... People saw that in the play very clearly, and some people are seeing it clearly here, um, but it feels a little bit more hesitant to talk about that as a major theme in the play, even yeah. though it's there. I wonder if that's because it's less acute here. I think discrimination is everywhere at all times. Yeah. And I think that people can, I mean, people can relate to discriminating against people who are old and have been cast out. People who are a different shape than them have been cast out. I don't think this play is about just one kind of discrimination. Mm. I live here part of the year and I, I, I listen and watch a lot of British media and I actually think they do talk about it a lot, like on Question Time or on... It like comes up all the time, especially south of here in uh, England. Yeah. There's a lot more discrimination based on things like immigration and yeah. race. And I think a lot of those people are coming to the fringe. It's not just Scottish people who come to the fringe. The fringe no. is a very, very mixed group of people who come up and definitely people from England come up and I think that really resonates with them in a sort of classical way of thinking about discrimination but I think we can also apply this play to other ways of thinking about discrimination. I think it's, I mean I love the play and I thought, I, I, I saw very clearly what it was doing but did you get the sense um, from some of other, some other reviews you've had or any feedback that people just... They, they didn't see yeah. that? Uh -huh. I, I spoke with one audience member who, I, I asked him directly, I said we were worried that you know the message or the overarching thing of the play wouldn't come through and he said no, no, it was very clear, this is an, an Englishman who said this, he said um, 
he was like, really what it, it brought to mind for me was our, you know, intense Islamophobia. Like, that's, like, that's what I keyed into watching this play. And he said the line where you said a beaver took credit for having thrown the beer, having done the crime, he said it made him think about all the times that, you know, crimes have been placed on Muslims or any people of color because, you know, they do things like this all the time. So I think people are getting it. There's been a couple of audience reviews where it's like, oh, they totally got this. Yes. And then there have been some, some people, and this is all right, you know, who, like, aren't quite there yet. I also think uh, part of that is just because it's a fucking weird play, you know? Like, it's it's, it's hard. surreal, it's odd, it's... Um, it demands a lot of your audience. It demands a lot of the audience. Yep. It's very funny, but it also um, is told mainly through long monologues about mundane things in people's lives. Um, and it's only women in the play. Like, one of the reviewers actually tweeted, I don't even think a man is mentioned once in this entire play, which is not true. There's, there's one. It's a beautifully subtle play, I think, in, in many, many ways. And it sort of um, it seeps into you if you are open to it and are really an active audience member and listening. And it's, um, it can be a shocking thing for some people, I think. And I think it, there are different points, maybe, at which some people understand or realize the metaphor or, or have found something to relate to with it. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how late on in the play some people would laugh. There's some people right to the very end who don't really... Don't, yeah, who think don't who? Know. Because we've set up the expectation that it's a comedy. Right. Um, spoiler: the end is sad. <laughs> it has a dark ending. Dark comedy. But we don't get to the the uh, realization that it's going to end badly until maybe the last two minutes of the play, maybe a little longer, depending on when people key into what's happening. So it is, I think, because when things are tense for terrible reasons, things have been tense for, like, funny, I'm an insecure person reasons for a while. People are used to laughing at tense moments. And then it's it's kind of incredible to sit there in the audience and hear people laugh and then have the reaction of, oh, God, I can't believe I just laughed at that. And I'm really interested in that moment for people because I think... I think that's a thing that that sticks with you and that gets you to think about it. It's a fascination of mine how audiences, like when they feel comfortable and uncomfortable and when they laugh and don't laugh, and I think that's actually what makes great theater. Um, And I have witnessed so many different reactions. Uh, You know, we spend a majority of the play looking at the audience, so we're watching the spectators as much as they are watching the spectacle, right? And so whenever there have been people of color in the audience and there's the first mention of police officers, I literally see their eyes dart to me, but then dart back to Ronnie, because they're not, you know, and it's, again, it's only the people of color who are making that connection of like, oh, police are going to show up, what's going to happen? The other eyes, the white people in the audience, don't, I've not seen them do that in that same way. Oh my god, I had never even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Are the police officers going to, I have never, (laughs) yeah, I have never, and it never dawned on me. Well, yeah. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up thinking that police officers were our friends and, like, right. we should trust them and, like, call them if you're ever in trouble. And that's not right. the experience of exactly. non-white people. And I should also say for our listeners, I'm, I'm a black woman, right? And this play opens up 
on this black woman who's talking and I can sometimes see in audience members' faces they don't know what to make of the way I'm behaving, what I'm saying, and I think also my blackness. And so when when the play starts to unfold and certain things start to happen, because we're watching the audience so often, I'm seeing so many things happen to audience members, particularly white ones, where they're trying to understand <laughs> my racism, what I think what they think is supposed to be, you know, understood to be racism or otherism somehow. Um, and then in it, when we get to the final moments of the play, and I'm basically explaining how you can be an accidental racist or an accidental perpetrator of violence toward a, a marginalized group and people no longer want to make eye contact with me even though we've been making eye contact throughout the entire play for the last hour and that's probably wrapped up in their own experiences their own feelings of being implicated in this moment of uh, you know shame so it, it is uh, extremely extremely interesting watching who shows up to see this play and like how they're reacting to what they're seeing and how they're reacting to the people on stage because presumably I should be playing the beaver but the other two people in the cast are white we should say right right so the, so the yeah so the actor that play is the person who's the most marginalized in the play is white Dinah who's I'm right white. here yeah um, <laughs> so so the, the the lines of prejudice don't fall where exactly. we expect them to which I think makes people see it anew oh yeah for what it, for for what uh, that relationship is and not exactly. be like oh well this is like 1962 America and exactly. this is right. you know it doesn't make it specific to exactly one to your group point. Yeah. discriminating against a different group it can be anybody discriminating against anybody for unjust reasons right yeah right um, so the play Oberon Books published it um, in advance of the festival which is wonderful and they've yes. they've been they've been amazing to work with and it was interesting for me to be like okay so now this play is open to other productions and for other people licensing it because I do think the play is um, delicate and hard to get right and I think like could not be happier with this production um, but there's very little in the way of stage direction there's very little yep. um, descriptive anything it's real the play is a is a impossible wall of words which is why it's amazing that anyone wanted to work on it at all um, but the thing that I stipulated for casting was that um, the cast cannot be all white. And um, if Jane the Beaver is cast as a person of color, she cannot be the only person of color in the cast. And I would be so interested to see how that works and how that changes the feeling and experience of it. Because it's not stipulated that Dora is black. And, like, what would it be like if Ronnie was black and Dora was white or Dora was Asian or, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens and, like, hopeful that other people do it and, like, mix it up and, like, see the play, like, raise different questions and, like, different moments of people feeling levels of comfort and discomfort and that tension. Um, I hope that happens. I'm going to take it away from the play a little bit and sort of more towards the wider themes of persistent and nasty. As actors, where do you think identi identity politics filter into your experience as actors in terms of casting, like being a woman, being a woman of colour? So I guess I'm just curious to hear about your experiences um, in America. 
Well, as I stated before, I'm a black woman, and uh, to be blunt, I'm very black, you know, so that gets read in a room of a number of different ways. Often, it's, it's you're, you're strong, you're proud, you're earthy, you're, you're mystical, magical, you're... Uh, Earth Mama. What does mystical magical mean? Do you cast a spell when you walk into the room? I will be cast as like a person who has, you know, omniscient qualities and like magical powers and, you know, because I've got gravitas and I'm strong, you know. You absolutely do have gravitas. Yeah. Yes, I do. No, that's not true. But I also have tenderness and I also have vulnerability and I also have femininity and that is often not seen in casting rooms in America, at least. Um, I've literally been told, you're too strong for roles. And I'm like, well, give me direction because my job as an actor is to take direction and then adjust. And I think I do that well. So, you know, we're, we're talking really now about what what a woman with my physical appearance uh, brings to mind for people. Like, right now I'm thinking about how I just read this morning that Serena Williams' outfit has been banned by the French Open, and it's like, would we even be talking about this if she weren't this goddess of a black woman with the body of, like... She has blood clots. It's designed to help her not have blood clots after having a problematic birth. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that intersects with her intersects with her womanhood. Like yeah, yeah. And her choosing to be a mom Hugely. while competing, yeah. yeah. But would we even be talking about what she's wearing if she weren't a black woman? And a black woman that looks the way she does. Um so, you know, I deal with that every day. I have had um sort of some oppositional comments about in terms of typecasting for me. Uh, I suppose <laughs> sometimes I um, I feel like people don't trust that I, I can be strong, I suppose. I get, like, cute or, um, or soft or the term we all love, quirky. You're so quirky. Ugh, fuck me. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Is that the first time we've sworn yet? Oh, no, that's not early. Oh, you did, you did. Okay, yeah, great, great. I broke, I broke that seal, yeah. Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, there are odd harassment experiences that are not fun. That are that in, I, I, I'm very, very fortunate that I've never... Um, that shouldn't even be a thing that you have to say. That, uh, that I've never had any incident that was, like, horrifically traumatic for me. But um, sometimes... Particularly early on in my career and in the process of auditioning, there would be things that I would walk out of the room and be like, I don't think that was okay, or I don't think that comment was okay, or that hand on that place was okay. Um, And that has wildly, I think, affected and guarded me when we're supposed to walk into these rooms being full, vulnerable ready to perform and also very professional and it's a lot auditioning is hard and it's a lot um but i am also white so but it is it it it, uh is such a special treat to get to hang out with women and create something that like isn't about our experiences with men at all Mm -hmm. it's about um female friendship and loneliness and anxiety and to um get to explore that with everyone 
um, without any sort of uh, like male gaze, male filter, explaining to men, is this really a thing that you go through? You know, um, it's been very unique. I've never experienced that before in a room. So the play is produced and being presented by Dutch Kills Theatre, which is a New York-based company. Is that right? Yep. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about the company remit? Um, Dutch Kills Theatre uh, only does new work. <clears throat> and we... I... Uh, think it's very important that artists, particularly directors and playwrights and theatre sort of generators um, who don't have the recognition that I think they should have because they're starting out or it's very hard to get produced if you haven't been produced have some backing behind them so I put my resources behind someone like Jean Ann on her one of her first writing solo things and develop I do a lot of development with my writers and stuff um and then once she gets fancy <laughs> once she's got someone pick up her play that's got a lot more resources then I need to give my resources to someone else who doesn't have them because there's so many wonderful theater makers out there mm-hmm. um in terms of what the actors were talking about uh I find it very important um, to... I want to say this very carefully. I don't particularly look for plays that have to do with any one subject or another. I don't. I do want to open, especially casting, um, to anybody who can play that part at all uh, and I find that important um, uh, if it is important that a part is played by a person of color then we need to do that if it is important that a person uh, a, a part is played by a man say then I would I want to do that I would need to honor the play I need to honor the work that the playwright is doing before changing it so it's very important to me to honor the play that is written now before we start altering the thing that is on the page, if that makes sense. I also want to say, um, as someone who has worked with Ali a lot and, and talked with her a lot about um, the plays that you choose to work on, I often hear you say, like, why this play right now? Yeah. Like, why is this necessary? Why is it important for us to put this out into the world? Because um, there are a lot of pieces of theater that are very nice, but you think a lot about like the context of when you're putting it up, who's going to be in it, um, and it feeling necessary and important to, to put out into the world. Um, I love that. <laughs> we do have to wrap up a little bit, um, but what I am going to, I'm going to ask each of you uh, a, a question, or it's not a question, it's more like a response, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, so you can interpret it whatever way you want. <laughs> so we've got this little thing, it's inspired by the No Doubt lyric, uh, I've had it up to here from uh, Just a Girl, <laughs> so I just want you to say, I want to say who you are, just remind the listeners again, like, your name and your role in The Providence of Neighbouring Bodies by Jean Ann Douglas, produced by Dutch Kills Theatre, NYC. And just tell me what you've had it up to here with. All right, I've had it up to... Oh, I'm Dinah Berkeley. I play Jane the Beaver. 
Is that all I have to say? Like, great. Uh, one, I'm from Chicago. I like <laughs> sushi is good. Okay, so um, I've had it up to here with, with two things. Um, the first is that I identify, I used to identify as bisexual. I now am identifying as pansexual because I'm open to dating anyone of any, anything. Um, and I've had it up to here with people from all communities uh, judging me one way or the other. If I'm um, dating a man, the queer community is saying you're not a part of us anymore. And if I'm being queer, getting eyes or comments or looks, I've had it up to here with that. Up to here. I've also had it up to here with people who um, put their cigarette butts on the ground. I don't get it. Like, how, how do we not litter and yet we're like, smoke, smoke, smoke on the ground? Oh, but that doesn't count. That's all. Okay, uh, my name is Ali Scott. I'm the producer and artistic director of uh, Dutch Kills Theater. I have had it up to here <laughs> with people using the word epic incorrectly. It's not an epic sandwich. It didn't come from fucking Sweden or something. You just got it at the goddamn deli. Okay? And I am sick of people using the word... <clears throat> Literally, incorrectly. I literally ran around the block. I'm glad. You absolutely did. It does not require literal because that's not figurative language. <gasps> Stop it. If you say to me, <laughs> I literally shit my pants. You better fucking shit your pants. <laughs> you fucking show me. I want the purse. <laughs> I've had it up to here. Uh, my name is Lori Parquet. I play Dora in the Providence of Neighboring Bodies. And... I've been thinking a long time about how to answer this question, and I think I've had it up to here with people just being unaware. Um, and that's a really broad thing to say, but like, it's hard to it's hard to justify being unaware in 2018, and I mean that on the micro, and I mean it on the macro. Um, and my, I am also saying this for myself because there are things that I'm unaware of, but like just in my own lived experience, like, having to, like, nod politely to someone who just is oblivious to the world around them or just any experience other than their own um, and the lack of empathy that that, that that causes. My name is Jean Ann Douglas. I wrote The Providence of Neighboring Bodies, and I have had it up to here with my work being described as quirky, <laughs> or fluffy or any of these very like soft odd words um, where I think if I was a man and I was making work that was as weird as I am there are words like like original and genius and raw and daring and I don't reverence one that gets oh, bandied around with yeah. men yeah um, and I don't get called those things I get called uh, cute creative words more often than not and and they did they're great the Guardian did call us original just saying yes that's true yeah okay so we are out of time I have thank you very much thank to you. all of you thank, thank you. you so much I'm really 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 excited to have you all here I'm excited to have seen the play it's really fucking good you're all brilliant and actors you're amazing really really amazing Jean-Anne you. you're so talented and wonderful Thanks. Dutch Kills 
Love it. Amazing. Thanks. Um, so for our listeners, just so you know, uh, you can find out about when this podcast goes live and it gets posted. I will be linking all the social media for Dutch Kills, for Gina Ann. I will talk to them about that. But you can go to Persistent and Nasty on Facebook and find out all about them. So if you want to learn more about their work, you can find it there. Thank you for listening and hashtag stay nasty.